When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. It was an afternoon in early spring, sometime long ago in my childhood. In a corner of our garden, there was what I called a big puddle of snowdrops, and every year I just couldn't wait for them to unfold their petals. And that afternoon, they were doing just that, and I was delighted. I had brought my jumping rope out to the garden, eager to be outside in the sun after a long winter pent up in the house. So, next to the puddle of snowdrops, I started to jump. One, two, one, two, double swing, triple swing. I leaped extra high and giggled, but when my feet touched the ground, I stopped. The snowdrops, the entire garden, everything had vanished. Instead, I found myself in a magnificent garden, close to a well. A girl with a little golden crown on her head was playing with a golden ball. It gleamed in the sunlight and I gasped. The noise startled her. She turned and dropped the ball into the well. Dogs have been our companions for as long as we can remember. And so it is obvious that there are some great stories about them too. So, this episode is all about dogs, or more specifically, a pair of special Irish dogs called Bran and Skiolan, companions of the great Irish hero Fionn McCool. The first teller on this episode is Jane Dorfman. Jane tells tales of dutiful daughters and wise women, faithful sons and wicked kings, and also of Irish heroes. She tells stories for children and adults at festivals and in libraries and in the school, saying that the world has an amazing heritage of stories and she wants to pass them on. So this is Jane Dorfman sharing the tale of Turian. This is a story of the great Irish hero Finn, son of Uleo, or more properly, of what happened to his aunt Turin. It is also the story of Fergus Finlaw, who was the man who in all Ireland hated dogs more than anyone else. If he saw a dog, he would go black in the face and throw stones at it. He only hired servants who hated dogs, and if he heard that a man had drowned a litter of puppies, he would go to that man and offer to marry his daughter. Now Finn was just the opposite. He loved dogs. He loved the nursing of the first white milk tooth to the rocking of the long last yellow one. He knew what was to be expected, 
of an ear, a paw, a tail, and he knew how much a dog may be trained without losing his noble qualities. Finn knew this because he loved dogs. But of the hundred dogs that Finn had, there were two to whom he gave special affection, and their names were Bran and Skolan, and if you guessed for a hundred years, you would not guess why. But by the end of the story, you'll know. Time came when Finn's mother and her much younger sister Turin came to visit Finn and his men. And they were noble women and were treated accordingly, and they were also very beautiful. Of Finn's mother, oh, no one would compare, and her sister. Her voice was like the cuckoo, and her form flowed like the river, and every man who saw her hoped that that form would flow to him. But it was to a man of Ulster that she gave her heart, Eolan. And when he came to ask her hand in marriage, either Finn knew the men of Ulster too well, or he did not know them well enough, but he made a curious stipulation. He said that if there was ever any reason to think that the Lady Turin was unhappy, she should be returned to her family. And he got his men, including Lugi, who was in love with the Lady Turin himself, to sign as witnesses to this compact. And Eolan and the Lady left to live in Eolan's own keep. And they were happy, but the law of life has changed, and Eolan was a man with a past. He was not exactly ashamed of it. He just assumed it was behind him when, in fact, it was ready to jump ahead and block his way to the future. For before Eolan had married, he was the lover of a woman, a fairy, whose name was Uxdelv, which means fair breast. And he would often visit her in the land of the she, and he had a special lover's whistle that he would whistle, and they would walk in the apple orchards, and he would call her the pulse of his heart and the branch of his tree and his reason for living. And then for a long time he did not come, and Uckdelv was puzzled, for if he had died he would be here. And her sister said with properly sisterly satisfaction, He has forgotten you, my darling. When word came of Eolan's marriage, Uckdelv's heart stopped beating for a moment, and in that moment she became capable of every ill deed, and she plotted her revenge with bitter collectedness until she had a plan. She disguised herself as Finn's female messenger, the most famous woman in all Ireland, and she went to the keep of Eolan, and she gave him a message that Finn would be coming. Oh, said Eolan, we will give him an Ulster feast. Oh, all the world knows what that is, master. Now I have private messages for your queen. And she, in turn, walked in the garden, and when they were out of sight of the house, Uckdelv took a hazel rod out from under her cape and tapped Turin with it, and her form began to swirl and shrink and change until she had turned into a hound. And Uckdelv clasped a chain roughly around her neck and dragged her from the garden. Bad girl, stealer of another girl's sweethearts, he would not love you now. What would he think of your skinny legs and your pointed nose and your tail? He would not love you now, bad girl. Have you heard of Fergus Finla? And indeed, Turin had heard of Fergus Finla, the man in all Ireland the unfriendliest to a dog. It is to he that I take you. For Uckdelv did not want a good home for the dog. She wanted the worst home possible. And poor Turin began to shiver 
and Uckdelve jerked her roughly down the road all the way to the keep of Fergus Finlaw. And she knocked on the door, still disguised as Finn's messenger. And the servant looked out and said, It is a dog. Yes, she said, I come from Finn, and he bids me to have Fergus keep this dog. Fergus will give you a present if you take the dog away and kill it. I come from Finn, and Finn will hear of any alteration in this contract. And indeed, Fergus came down the steps, and he said, Finn sends me a dog. I have given you the message, Master. Do you take her or refuse her? Finn knows I have no liking for dogs. If I could refuse Finn anything, it would be this. But I cannot refuse him anything. Give me the dog. And Uckdelve put the chain in Fergus' hands, and she went away, humming to herself and well satisfied with her revenge. Later that night, Fergus said to his servant, Has the dog stopped shaking yet? It has not, master. Well, if it shakes off its legs, Finn will not be pleased, and whoever else is displeased, Finn must be pleased. I have heard, said the servant, that there is a cure for the shivers. Well, if there is a cure, tell it to me. Well, if you were to pick the dog up and hug it, hug it. That is only what I have heard, master. If you were to pick the dog up and hug it and kiss it, you pick the dog up. And the servant went to reach for the dog, but she snapped at him. The dog does not like me, master, nor do I. Get out of my sight. And Fergus addressed the dog, and he said, If you put so much as the beginning of a tooth gainst the beginning of a finger. And he bent down, and he picked up the dog. And he began to march up and down the hall with her in his arms, giving her one hug for every five paces. And the shivers abated a wee bit. And then he says, Well... If I have to kiss it, I'll kiss it. I'd do more than that for Finn. And he bent his face down and he kissed the dog on the muzzle. And the dog began to wiggle and squirm in his arms and reached up with a shy tongue and licked Fergus on the chin. And he said, do not do that again now and forever. But when he put the dog down, there was not a single shiver left. And the dog would not be parted from him. And she would walk at his heel and gaze up at him with adoring eyes. By my hand, said Fergus, the dog likes me. And the next day he said, by my faith, I like the dog. And then he became tormented at the idea that some miscreant would throw a stone at the dog. And he had all of his servants, men and women, lined up before him. And he told them that this dog was the pulse of his heart, the branch of his tree, and whosoever knocked a single shiver out of her would face penalties that began with flaying and ended with things that made strong men faint and women blanch. And so they went on like this. But about now, word came to Finn that his aunt was no longer living with her husband, and he sent his men to the keep of Eolan to see about this matter. Eolan was in a terrible state, and when they asked him where his wife was, he could not tell them. And Finn sent another message, Tell the wife, loser, that I will have my aunt or I will have his head. And Eolan begged for a little time to find his wife. And he set off for the land of fairy, for he knew that Uckdelve must have something to do with this. It took a long time for him to get Uckdelve to see him. She was polishing her nails, and she said, Well, breaker of hearts, what do you want? 
I know you have done something with my wife. She said, what if I have? What is it to me? Finn will have my head unless his aunt is returned. Well, she said, if I save your head from Finn, then your head should belong to me. Is that not right? And Eolin had to agree that that was right. And a head is really not much good without a body, is it? And Eolin again had to agree. Well, I will save you from Finn if you will promise to be my sweetheart from now until the end of time. And Eolin, not seeing any other way, agreed. Ukdelv went back to the keep of Fergus Finla. And she found Turin, and she took the hazel rod again, and she tapped her, and Turin's own lovely form came back to her. But as for the matter of the two puppies she had given birth to, they could not be changed and must stay as dogs. And they were given to Finn, and he named them Bran and Skolan, and they became the best of all his dogs, for they were as loyal as dogs, as clever as men, and they were his cousins besides. And Turin married Lugi after he had promised and proved that he was not now nor had ever been another girl's sweetheart, and they lived happily ever after. Oh, but for the matter of Fergus Finla, he took to his bed for a year and a day, suffering from blighted affection. And he would have died there, too, had not Finn sent him a special pup, and within a week that pup was the pulse of his heart and the branch of his tree, and so he, too, got well and lived happily ever after. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Flying Ships Shipping. No more waiting for packages that got delayed on tankers on the ocean. No more paying custom duties for deliveries across the border. And no more depending on post office hours. Flying Ships Shipping is the safest, easiest, and fastest way of delivery for the best value. We ship at lightning speed around the world, gently dropping the cargo onto your balcony, into your bird's nest, or straight into your hands. As an exciting plus, we have a limited amount of banner messages available for every horizon. There is no better way of reading, you're my happy ever after, or I hope you find a hair in your every meal than written across the sky. Sign up now for Flying Ships Shipping. You might still have 99 problems, but delivery won't be one of them. I wrote a little poem called Things You Can Get for $5 or Less. It is based on meticulous research and I hope you enjoy. A side view mirror smiley face. A box for baby teeth. A plunger holder for your phone, a fancy gold face mask. The perfect tool to slice your spuds, a grow your boyfriend set. A Star Wars fighter squadron patch and a bow tie for your dog. All of this and a whole lot more is yours for a fiver or less. But the best way to spend your bucks, of four or ten or more is on this lovely, sweet podcast that'll bring you stories galore. On Patreon, just go and spy our treasures that could be yours, so Simon, Rachel Ann and I can share stories for many years. That was the little poem, 
and I hope it made you curious about our sponsorship opportunities. If you join the pod, we might even peek into the crystal ball and let you know about a hidden magic power that you have, or anything else that you would like to know. Just drop us a line, and we'll be happy to help. Find out more on storystorypodcast.com. The princess looked at me, her features clouding. You! she shrieked. You made me drop my ball! She picked up her skirts and started towards me. And now you'll get it back for me! I didn't know what to do, so I tried to escape the way I came by jumping the rope. I leaped high, swung the rope three times, and when my feet touched the ground, the angry princess and the well were gone. Instead, I found myself in front of a castle. There was an open window, and in the room behind it I could make out two figures, a girl and an old woman. Carefully, I stepped closer, intent on not making any sounds. I didn't like the look of the old woman, and when I saw the girl closely examining something pointy, I suddenly realized what was about to happen. No! I whispered. The girl turned towards the noise, almost dropping the spindle, caught it at the last moment, but pricked her finger in doing so. It was as if the air was sucked out of the scene. There was a strange noise. I looked down and saw vines of briar roses shooting from the ground, twisting up and around the castle. Before they could twist around me too, I quickly leaped into the air and swung the rope three times, hoping that my feet wouldn't land on thorns. They didn't. They landed on soft, mossy ground. I found myself deep in the forest. There was a noise, dry leaves rustling, branches breaking under someone's feet. I turned and saw an old hag shuffling away from a cottage, half hidden from my view by the trees. A young woman was standing beside the cottage door. Her hair was as black as ebony, her skin white as snow, and red as blood was the apple in her hand. She looked at the apple for a moment then rubbed it on her skirt and lifted it to her lips with an anticipating smile. The impulse of shouting, No! rose in my throat, but then I thought the better of it. Whatever will happen, will happen, whether I meddled or not. So instead, I leaped high into the air, swung the rope three times, squeezed my eyes shut, hoping beyond hope that my feet would land among the snowdrops. And they did. The second teller for this episode is Californian storyteller Catherine Fairley. Catherine fuses culture, dynamic characters, and folk to create a change. She has been telling stories for over 35 years and has traveled around the world gathering myths, legends, histories, and folk and fairy tales. It might be that she found this next story while traveling through Ireland. This is Catherine Fairley, 
sharing the magical tale of Bran and Skjolan. Fionn McCool delighted in dogs. As the head of the Fianna, he had three hundred dogs at his command, and yet his favourite were two magnificent Irish wolfhounds, Bran and Skjolan. He treated them like family. And why, you may ask? Well, you see, they were blood kin to Fionn McCool. Now, Myrna of the White Neck, Fionn's mother, would come visiting him at his own Dunavaloon, his own fortress, and sometimes she would bring her younger sister, Turin, with her. Oh, they were popular people to have at the Fianna. The Fianna loved having the women there, for they were fair and cheerful. Turin was hardly older than Fionn himself, and she had a fair face as fresh as springtime, and when she walked it was like the flowing of a river, so that all the men that looked at her, they thought, Oh, I hope that river flows to me. Many a man had asked for her hand, and she had not accepted a single one of them, until finally she fell in love with Ilanaktak from Ulster, a member of the Fianna from the north. Now, Ilan had to go and ask permission of his commander, Fionn, to be married. But he felt awkward about it. And he went up to Fionn and he said, I, um, I, I'd like your permission to marry. Well, now Fionn had seen his aunt and Ilan walking around for months together, and he had an idea of what was going on, but he couldn't help teasing him a little bit. And would I know the lady? Uh, aye, aye, it's, uh, it's, it's your aunt, it's, it's, it's Turin. Oh, my aunt, is it? Uh, yes, yes, we'd like to get married, and we'd like your blessing, and her father is dead, so I thought I should ask you. And what if I should say no? I, well, I, I suppose we just run away and, and get married anyhow, but I hope you won't say no. No, I won't say no at all. And it's not so much that Fionn did not like the men of Ulster, but perhaps he'd put his thumb in his mouth, because he made a stipulation to this marriage. He said, I'll give you my blessing, and of course you can marry Turin. But if ever I hear she's unhappy, you're to send her back to me, no questions asked. Oh, she'll never be unhappy. I'll treat her so well, she'll never want to leave me. Very well, said Fionn. We'll prepare the wedding. And it was a magnificent wedding. It went on all day. At the very crack of dawn, the druids joined their hands together. There was dancing and feasting and gaming all day long. And at night, all the bards gathered around the bonfires and told stories of the ever-young Chirnanog. Oh, it was a delight. Now, Ilan had asked his best friend, Louis Laha, to stand up for him. And indeed, Louis accepted, and he gave the bride away. But it was hard on him, for Louis was in love with Twirin as well. And when Ilan and Twirin went back to Ulster for his own dun and living in his fortress, Louis wrote a very sad poem, and a lot of very sad people learned that poem after him. Shul, shul, shul arun, shul go soher shul no kyun. Shul go joras agas elelyom. Iskujetu mavunen slan. And to you, my love, farewell. 
But Dylan and Twirren lived happily up in Ulster, which is the proper way to live. But Dylan had a past. Before he'd met Twirren, he'd had a lady love from Chirnanog, a banshee by the name of Ucht Delve of the Fair Breast. And together they would walk hand in hand throughout Chirnanog, that land that smells like honey and blossoms all year round. And when he stopped coming to visit her, she thought, Surely he would come if he were alive. He must be dead. And when she heard that he'd married another, her heart stopped for a moment. And then a great feeling of hatred came over her, such as given the banshee that reputation for vengeance. And she put a change of shape upon herself so that she looked like Fionn's most famous female messenger, the most famous woman in Ireland. And she went up to the Dun of Ulster. Ilan was not there, but Twirren was. Greetings to your mistress. I come from the captain. Fionn McCool wishes to visit you. Oh, we'd love to have him here. Yes, tell my nephew to come any time. We'll have a grand Ulster feast for him. Aye, the world knows you're famous for that, ma'am. And as Twirren looked at the messenger, she saw something very strange. She saw all the color draining out of her hair and her face, and her clothes. It was all running as though it were colors in the rain. And she looked at that pale, pale creature in front of her, and her heart stopped, and she thought, Banshee! She found she couldn't move. What is it you want of me? said Turin. Uckdell said, You married Ilan. He should have married me. He loved me first. And she took out a hazel rod twig, and she tapped Twirren with it, and Twirren's form swirled round and down until she was an Irish wolfhound, shivering with fright. It was a sad thing to see this small, elegant beast shivering like that, but Uckdelve was not sad. She took a chain, and she put it around the beast's neck, and she said, You're coming to Fergus Finleys. Have you heard of Fergus Finleys? Oh, aye. She'd heard of Fergus Finleys, the man most reputed to hate dogs in Ireland. And she whimpered. Uckdelve cursed her, yanked and pulled all the way over to Galway Bay, where Fergus Finleys lived. Now, Fergus Finleys had always hated dogs, and he'd only hired servants who also hated dogs. It is said that any time he saw any kind of a creature like that, he'd pick up whatever was closest to him and he'd throw it at the dog. But the gods who protect the creatures put a squint in his eyes, so he always threw crooked. At last, Uckdelv got the animal to the door of the dune and knocked on it, and the servant opened the door. She said, I'd like to see Fergus Finley's. You can see Fergus Finley's, but you'll have to leave the dog outside. I'll bring the dog inside or you'll answer to Fionn McCool. At the name Fionn McCool, the lad went to run for his master and Fergus Finleys himself came out. Greetings to Fionn McCool, leave the dog outside. Fionn McCool has asked me to bring this dog to you that you may care for it for him. Ah, I can't believe that. Fionn knows how much I hate dogs. He knows there's no one has more of a disliking for dogs than myself. Nevertheless, master... He sent you this dog, 
and you're to take good care of it, for it's with child. And when it delivers its pups, you'll have to make sure it doesn't go hunting, or you'll have no gratefulness from Fionn. Do you take the dog or not? I must know. Oh, if I could refuse anything to Fionn, it'd be a dog. But I can't refuse Fionn anything. All right, I'll take the dog. And so the hound-hating Fergus took the chain of the hound, and Ukdale walked away with a very satisfied smile. The hound was shaking and shaking, and Fergus turned to his servant, and he said, How do you get rid of the shivers? Uh, well, I've heard there was a way. Well, what is it? Well, I've heard that if you pick the beast up and hug it and kiss it, the shivers will go away. Oh, you pick it up and hug it and kiss it, and if there's a shiver left in it, I'll break your face. And so the lad bent down and tried to pick up the animal, but it snapped at him. He said, the, the dog doesn't like me. I don't like you either. Get out of here. And so Fergus was alone with the dog, looking at it, shivering as though its legs would fall right off. He says, oh, ugh, I guess I'll hug it and kiss it if I have to. I'd do more than that for Finn. And he took a step toward it. And he said, if you so much as lay your ears back at me, I'll have you for breakfast. The animal did not lay its ears back. It only shivered. So he bent down and picked her up. And he started pacing with her. Pace, 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 hug. Pace, 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 hug. Three steps to every hug. And after a while, the beast relaxed. And a little pink tongue came out and licked Fergus under the chin. Stop that! Stop that forever! Oh, if the beast has got to be kissed, I'll kiss it. I do more than that for Finn. Oh, he made a face and a grimace, and he bent down, and he kissed the animal right on the forehead. And the soft brown eyes looked right up at him, and once again the little pink tongue came out and tickled him under the chin. Ah! Oh, he put the dog down. And you know, it wasn't shivering at all. He says, I don't believe it. And everywhere he went the rest of that day, the dog followed him around faithfully, looking up at him with tender brown eyes, not a shiver in her, following around with such intelligent looks. It amazed him, and he said, I'll be. That dog likes me. By the next day, she was still following around, and it showed such intelligence in her eyes. He said, You know, by my hand, I like that dog. Now he got worried that all of his servants were dog haters, and so he lined them up in a row, and he told them, This is the lady of creatures, the pulse of my heart. Any of you that so much as knocks a shiver out of her answers to me. And he ranted and raved until all of his servants shivered. <laughs> now every day, Fergus and Twirin the wolfhound, they would go out hunting, and there was never a wild creature that that animal could not track down. So that Fergus came to love hounds and have faith in them. And when it came time for her to deliver her pups, he took great care of her, and she was delivered of two tiny little healthy pups, a black and a gray. Now, Fionn McCool heard eventually that his aunt was no longer living with Ilan up in Ulster, and so he sent a message. Send my aunt home immediately, or I'll have your head. 
Well, Ilan had an idea of what had happened to his lady love. And so he went and sent a message to Fionn saying, Give me a week. Just give me a week. And then he went to Chirnanog, the land of the ever-young, to see his banshee love, for he had a pretty good idea of what had happened. He found Uckdelve sitting on the hill where she always was, and she said, What are you doing here? My life's been threatened. What's that to me? Fionn says he's going to take my head if I don't get his aunt back to him. Oh, and if I were to save your head, would your head belong to me? Well, I suppose it would. And if your head belonged to me, would the body beneath it also belong to me? It would. For the safe return to Tweran, I make that pledge. Very well. Shul, shul, shul arun, shul go saharag shul no kyun, shul go jora saga selelyom, iskujetu mavunen slan, and to you. My love, farewell. Ukdelv once more put the shape of the messenger of Fionn McCool on her, and she went over to the fortress in Galway, and she knocked on the door of Fergus Finley's. She took Twiran the wolfhound, and she took the pups, and she took them back to the Dun of Alun, Fionn's fortress. There she took out her hazel rod and she tapped Turin, the wolfhound, and her form swirled up and outward until she regained her own fine form. Louis Laha saw her and he immediately went and proposed marriage. He made a fantastic poem about how happy he was and all the happy people in Ireland learned that poem after him. And Louis and Turin lived happily, which is the proper way to live. But as to the pups, they had been born dogs, and they had to live their life out as dogs. They became the closest family that Fionn ever had. He named them Bran and Skjolin, and after all, they were his cousins. But as to Fergus Finley's, oh, his heart was broken in two to lose those dogs. He went to his bed. And he would have died in that bed. He stayed there a year until Fionn McCool heard what had happened. And out of the kindness of his heart, Fionn sent a special Irish wolfhound pup to him. And when he received that, Fergus got well, he got out of bed, and Fergus Finley's lived happily as well, which is the proper way to live. Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Show the love. Find Jane Dorfman and Catherine Fairley on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can find Rachel Ann on the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Story Story Podcast or RachelAnnHarding.com. And you can find me at IsabelHauser.com. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor is our own Rachel Ann Harding. The inspiration for the true fairy tale 
was a story seed from Laura Parker. You can find her lovely story and writing prompts by looking her up on social media. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let us know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you would be willing to go and write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head on over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies. And if you tune in, you will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal 